everyone and welcome to another episode of your questions god's questions there we go put it on the screen there uh today march the 1st 2021 maybe you are on a little break a little march break today uh kids are at home and you're looking for things to do so uh, if you have the week off or you have a few days off i hope you enjoy them and also, uh, the vaccination campaign has started today, I think, for people 70 and over. Uh, and so that's kind of uh, interesting news that we have uh, here in the province of Quebec. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Friedland. I'm the pastor of City Point Church in uh, Brossard. Let's see if we can get that down there. There we go. Look at this. Wow, there is my name. Um, and I've uh, been answering Bible questions for, my goodness, uh, 20, 20 years, 20 plus years, and uh, pastor a church that normally meets in a movie theater in uh, Cineplex at Complex 1030. And uh, the theater has reopened, but we are awaiting uh, the restrictions to be better then, uh, you know, there's a current 10-person limit for uh, places of worship, and you can't uh, sing and so on. So we are waiting to see what will happen there. But in the meantime, we do everything online, and this is one of the things that we do on Monday nights is uh, answer your questions uh, live and uh, have a little moment of prayer together as well. Please don't be shy to drop a request in. Use the comments section if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. And I would invite you as well to share the broadcast, all right? Press the button that says share. You know, you can actually reach more people faster uh, online than you can in person, uh, believe it or not, because you just press that share button and you get people watching and it can be exponential. Uh, when you invite people to in-person gatherings in church sometimes it's a little takes a little longer to get them to come so uh, hit that share button don't worry as i always say i won't embarrass you and uh, always try to make this interesting for christians non-christians and uh, everything everyone in between okay um and also uh, use your comment section for any other questions it doesn't necessarily have to be related to tonight's topic and uh, I will save them for another night or answer them on the fly. What I have discovered is that people have a lot of questions when it comes to the Bible, God, Christianity, religion, all these things. And uh, they're looking for a place to ask them, a safe place to ask them. And uh, I think a lot of people would love to ask, you know, a, a, a minister a question about something so uh, please uh, feel free to do that okay so tonight we're going to deal with this question what does it mean to be slain in the spirit uh, this term slain in the spirit all right I'm gonna put a number of things on the screen tonight but uh, in order to answer this question you have to understand the overall context of it this is a charismatic question and last week we dealt with a charismatic question what is speaking in tongues and we tried to answer that uh, last week when we use the term charismatic we mean something um, 
charismatic doesn't mean, when it comes to the Bible at least, it doesn't mean the uh, pastor is a good speaker. It doesn't mean your pastor is good looking or pretty or whatever. It doesn't mean that. That's not what charismatic means. It doesn't mean your church plays a certain kind of music or that people do strange things in your church. That's not what charismatic means. That's not what a charismatic believer is. That's not what a charismatic church is. The word charismatic comes from the word charis, which is a word that meant in that time in the New Testament gifts. And so when we use the term charismatic or we're talking about questions dealing with the gifts of the Spirit, this is in a charismatic context. In particular, when we talk about the supernatural gifts of the Spirit or sometimes called the power gifts of the Spirit. So last week we talked about what what is speaking in tongues Um, And we looked at it more from a traditional Pentecostal perspective where uh, there is an experience uh, separate from salvation uh, where the, whereas every believer has the presence of the Holy Spirit, as soon as they become a follower of Jesus, they have the presence, the full presence of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit is released in the life of the believer at the baptism in the Holy Spirit or sometimes called the gift of the Holy Spirit or sometimes called receiving the Holy Spirit. All these terms seem to be used synonymously in the book of Acts. And so, from again, from a Pentecostal perspective, uh, this is a distinct experience from salvation. Everyone has the presence of the Spirit, but the power of the Spirit is released in the believer's life. And in a Pentecostal, again, theology, uh, how do you know that that's happened? The person speaks in these languages, these tongues, uh, unknown to them. It can be for a few seconds, can be for a few minutes or even longer. Uh, so that's what we talked about a little bit last week. And I'm very aware that, you know, there's people watching, listening, people who will watch, who will listen, who are not Pentecostal and do not define the baptism in the Holy Spirit that way. And that that's fine. Um, so when we talk about these questions about the power of the Holy Spirit and specifically the power gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'll explain what that is in a few moments. Then we're talking about charismatic questions. Um, And last week, uh, the question was asked as we were dealing with this whole thing of tongues, um, and I'll put this on the screen before we get into slain in the Spirit, can a Christian who has never spoken in tongues operate in the power gifts of the Spirit? This is a charismatic question as well. Uh, People from other uh, uh, theological views don't even acknowledge this the same way. So that's a good question. We dealt with it last week, and what we said was the answer, at least from a biblical picture, would would be yes, uh, because mm, uh, if we if we say the only way that we can know that a person has been filled with the Spirit, again defining this as a distinct experience from salvation, where the power of the Spirit is released in the person's life, if we say the only way that we can know that we are filled with the Spirit is that the first thing that happens is we speak in tongues, um, 
uh, and then and only then can a person uh, operate as God wills in the power gifts of the Spirit. What we're doing is we're making an exclusionary thing there. Uh, it it's one thing for uh, uh, you know traditional Pentecostal teaching to say, well, you know, how can one know that one has been filled with the Spirit uh, when when uh, when Peter. Uh, was filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. He and all of the believers who were with him spoke in these languages. Um, When the Gentiles, who Peter uh, was sort of coordinated meeting planned by God, uh, uh, were filled with the Spirit, they too spoke in tongues. That's how Peter knew that they were filled with the Spirit. The uh, people in Acts chapter 19, uh, when they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke in tongues, and so that's why traditional Pentecostal theology says you you will know because you speak in tongues. That said, the question is, well, all right, if you define it that way as a as a Pentecostal, what about the power gifts then? Are we excluding people who have never spoken in tongues and saying that they cannot be used in the power gifts of God? And I think the answer would be we really can't make that exclusion based on the scripture. If we do, then what we are saying is uh, the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8 must have spoken in tongues then. And the Samaritans, uh, uh, something happened when Peter and John put their hands on them in Acts chapter 8, so much so that Simon the magician wanted to buy the ability, buy the power. But it doesn't say what happened. It doesn't say they spoke in tongues. So we must assume that if we're going to make this exclusion and say only people who have spoken in tongues the traditional Pentecostal way uh, can be used in the power gifts of God. Then we have to say, all right, the Samaritans must have spoken in tongues. And then we have to say uh, that Philip and Stephen, um, who are mentioned in Acts chapter 6, must have spoken in tongues, even though the book of Acts never says that they did. It says that they were known to be filled with the Spirit. We must make an assumption then and say, that well, then that must mean that they spoke in tongues. But that's an assumption. We have to do the same thing with Philip's daughters. Philip had four uh, unmarried daughters who prophesied, we're told in Acts chapter 21. Never says they spoke in tongues, though. So we have to make that assumption as well. So I just think it's a little bit dangerous to say, well, no, nobody can be used in the power gifts of God unless they first are baptized in the Holy Spirit the Pentecostal way. I just don't think we're on good ground to make that type of exclusion. Now, if you examine and question uh, people who believe in the gifts of God today, the power gifts being in operation through the lives of believers, so-called charismatic believers, um, most of them, uh, when we ask them questions, they say, well, yes, the the first thing that happened when I was filled with the Spirit was that I spoke in these uh, languages in my own private prayer time or something like that. Most of them will say that, but not all of them will say that. Uh, and this leads us into this next uh, charismatic question. What is being slain in the Spirit? Anyway, this is another term that you hear Uh, in charismatic uh, circles, in charismatic churches. And again, if you're just joining us, charismatic means believing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically 
the power gifts. You say, well, what's a power gift? What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We have essentially three defined lists in the New Testament. Really, I like the, there's a fourth one also in First Peter, but it's mentioning the same gifts. And you see them on your screen there. Excuse me. You have Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. These are sometimes called motivational gifts. And um, uh, I'll just flip over there in my Bible and read those gifts uh, to you. So uh, he talks about we each have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Uh, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So these are sometimes called the motivational gifts. And then you have in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is really the, the in the charismatic sense. These are the power gifts or sometimes called the manifestational gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 to, to 11. Um, I'll just skip down and read from verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good to each one doesn't say to each one who's has spoken in tongues already uh it, it doesn't address that right so that's why i say i'm not sure we can make that exclusion now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good to one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom to another the message of knowledge by means of the f- same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that same spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another interpretation of tongues. And these tongues are not to be uh, confused with baptism in the Holy Spirit tongues, uh, because these tongues that are in 1 Corinthians 12 it's when you have a group of people together, someone speaks in a language that somebody else in the group knows. It's different than uh, the, what I'll call baptism in the Holy Spirit tongues. Are you confused already? You probably are, but I'm going through it quickly. And then you have uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and these are sometimes called the leadership gifts. Boy, you're, the five of you who are on are really tracking with me. Hey, put in some comments, some questions. Let's see what we got coming in here. Oh, bless you, Pastor Dan Nurse, pastoring in uh, Brossard Evangelistic Center and uh, and has a great ministry going on there. Man, this guy, there's so many people watching his stream online. So God bless you, Pastor Dan, and everything you were doing during the pandemic and all of your work there. Um, so then you have leadership gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses... Um, uh, where are we? Eleven. Uh, uh, where are we? Yeah, eleven. So it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Okay. So these gifts, uh, but in particular the ones listed in First Corinthians chapter twelve, uh, would be the power gifts, the supernatural manifestational gifts of God. And bless you, Patrick. And uh, and thank you for tuning in with us as well. And um, 
so the the question about be, what is being slain in the spirit this again becomes a charismatic question now being slain in the spirit uh, bless you joelle good to see you as well buddy and um um being slain in the spirit when you when you uh, talk to people who have experienced this uh it, basically what it is is uh, it could be in a in a prayer meeting that they're in could be in a church service a small group could be alone and in general their testimony is that they, they were sort of overcome by the power of god and couldn't stand uh fell down or uh or lied down uh, usually it's falling backwards. Very rarely have I heard anybody who said they were quote unquote slain in the spirit and they fell forward, which is interesting. Um, and they're they're out, uh, so to speak, for a while. Sometimes it can be a few minutes. Sometimes it can be way longer than that. And they usually talk about just having that sense of being overcome by the the presence of the spirit and the power of the spirit. Now, by the way, uh, there are some people and they say that that is when they were filled with the spirit. That's how they knew. And they didn't, they say they never spoke in tongues, but when they were so-called slain in the spirit, that's how they knew that they were filled. Now you can ask the question, okay, but you know, Peter might say, okay. <laughs> and if you ask Peter, Peter, how did you know you were filled? Peter would say, well, I spoke in these languages. If you ask Peter, well, how do you know the Gentiles were filled? Peter would say, well, they spoke in these languages. If you ask Peter, Peter, what if someone was slain in the spirit? And you tried to explain that to Peter, does that mean that they were filled? Peter would probably say, I don't know, uh, because that wasn't his experience at all. In any case, uh, people who talk about this, this in general is their experience. What are we to make of it? Uh, it sometimes there are scripture references that are used uh, to back up this. I'll put them on the screen for you uh, so you know what they are. Uh, one of them is in um, uh, the Old Testament, Ezekiel. Uh, doing a lot of flipping around tonight. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 1 and uh, verse 28 is often used to to describe this. Uh, so this is Ezekiel's vision uh, that he has. This is a really bizarre, powerful, supernatural thing that happens to him. So you pick it up at the end of the experience, like the appearance of a rainbow uh, in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. So this is Ezekiel, and again, sometimes this is used as a biblical reference to describe this experience of so-called being slain in the spirit. Another one is from Second Chronicles uh, chapter 5, and I will flip over there as well. Uh, verses 13 to 14, this is when the Ark of the Covenant has been brought into the temple. Again, you've got to pick up the, the context, read the whole chapter. But you have uh, in verses 13 and 14 that the trumpeters and the singers joined in unison as with one voice and gave praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, other instruments. They raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love 
endures forever. And then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. And so it's inferred there that those people fell uh, by virtue of this verse. They could not perform their service. They say, oh, okay, they must have been slain in the spirit. Another passage is uh, John chapter 18 and uh, verses 4 to 6. And this is at the arrest in the garden when Jesus is arrested. And uh, you see that the, uh, the soldiers uh, come there and Jesus says, uh, what, who is it you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. And uh, uh, Judas is there, and as soon as he says, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So this is often used. And the last one is in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 to 4, and this is the Apostle Paul and his him being blinded on the road to Damascus to get these letters to find Christians so that he can extradite them to Jerusalem and and persecute them and um acts 9 verses 3 and 4 this this on his journey this light from heaven uh flashes around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him saul saul why do you persecute me so these are verses that are used to describe this all right now (laughs) here's the thing um sometimes we have experiences uh uh and we, we we jump to the Bible and we try to use the Bible to back up or justify those experiences. And there's that's not really wrong to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But to use these passages of Scripture to try and build some kind of defense for this experience of being slain in the Spirit it's really it's really somewhat shaky ground because if you inspect these passages, I mean, uh, they don't really talk about the same thing. Uh, you know, Paul was an enemy of of Jesus when he fell backwards uh, and, and fell down uh, because he was blinded. Um, you, you know, you talk about these these priests in the temple and they couldn't perform their ministry. Well, did they really fall down? Which way did they fall down? Doesn't say. You talk about Ezekiel. Ezekiel fell forward. He didn't fall backwards. And you can you can look at these passages of scripture and say, well, you know, it's it's. Are why would you why would you try and do that with those passages, and kind of force them? Uh, when you talk about this experience of being slain in the spirit, this is an experience. This is a testimony. When you talk to people who have experienced it, they're very authentic, they're very sincere, but it is an experience. It is a, a person's testimony. It's something that they went through. And sometimes the best thing to do is to leave it at that. Um, sometimes what happens, unfortunately, is people try to copy this and, uh, you know, they're in a church service and they see someone goes to the front and, you know, uh, someone prays for them, someone puts their hand on them, a pastor puts their hand on them and the person falls down and they're, they're lying on the ground, you know, and everybody looks at it like it's normal and you look and say, what is that? And, uh, you know, give me some of that kind of thing. And, you know, people say, well, if that's going to happen to that person, hey, 
I want that that person to pray for me because that looks like something's happening over there. Let's go and try, you know, let's go and see it. And then before you know it, you get people and they're sort of pretending like something's happening and it's not really happening at all. And then they think, well, you know, this dude at the front or this lady at the front, they've got the mojo. And, you know, when they put their hands on people, people fall down. And I've been in meetings where you've got mass casualties happening. You've got people falling down by the hundreds and half of them I mean, you just know that they're just they're just in it for the show. And it kind of looks like a little carnival. And then, you know, they get up a few minutes later and you watch their lives and nothing has changed about them. Nothing's changed about their character. Nothing's changed about their behavior. Nothing's changed about the things that they say. And yet they claim to have this experience with God. And then there are others. And after that experience, they're just They've, they've changed. They're so different. Their attitude's different. The things they say, the things they do, they clearly were moved and touched, and their life was altered by that experience. But that's what it is. It's an experience. It's a testimony. And you can't always say, all right, let's run and build a biblical framework and a biblical justification for it, when basically what you're dealing with is this is a person's reaction to what they felt was the presence of God on them. And that's it. You you don't necessarily have to critique it. You don't necessarily have to pick it apart. Uh, You know, I've heard people say, well, it's impossible that, you know, the the gifts of God, they died out with the apostles. And when the Bible's finished, there's no more gifts of the Spirit. My goodness, folks, if there's ever a time that we need the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, including the power gifts of the Spirit, is it not today? I mean, uh, the the devil will give people plenty of phony gifts. Yeah, he will. <laughs> you know, you, you talk to people who are involved in the occult, uh, he'll give you plenty of manifestations and plenty of those things. Uh, with, with God, you get the real deal when it happens, all right? But things happen to people where, uh, that sometimes you just you just leave it at leave it at that it's a testimony it's an experience ultimately it is the fruit in the person's life that shows the transformation that shows the change i've seen people go to uh, church meetings and go to you know the altar so to speak which is which is again a charismatic term people come to the front of the auditorium and they they pray and uh, you know sometimes there's a, people place their hands on them and they pray for them and so on sometimes that's called an altar call i've seen people laugh i've seen people cry i've seen people fall down i've seen people uh feel like s- someone was there and they, there was nobody there uh, you know, they were alone, but they, were, they felt somebody was there with them. Somebody touched them and they, there was nobody behind them. All kinds of things. Because people are all different and people have all kinds of experiences and all kinds of reactions. And sometimes you just got to say that's what it is. Um, and, you, and you leave it at that. You don't insult them. You don't critique them. You say, well, that's their experience. But to try and jump and build some type of theological framework for something that really doesn't have much umph in terms of theological framework because it is just that's an experience it's a it's it's a reaction it's the way someone feels i mean i'll be honest with you i've i've been to church meetings and i've gone to the gone to the front i've had i've had all kinds of things happen i've had people try to push me over 
Uh, I've had evangelists try to push me over and I'll get in the line and they'll put their hand on me and they're trying to push me down. Uh, when they do that to me, I, I push them back. <laughs> I stand there, put my head there so they can't push me back. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be part and parcel to, you know, that kind of carnival sort of atmosphere. Uh, that's kind of demeaning to the real thing when people really have a reaction uh, to God and you let them have their reaction uh, and that's between them and God. So I've had people try to push me over. Um, I've I've had experiences where where I I felt like someone touched me on the on the shoulder. There was nobody there, and I felt like someone was there. Um, I've had all kinds of things happen. I've had an experience one time where I I sincerely felt that God was laughing at me. Uh, I was praying about something, uh, something that I took very, very seriously, um, and uh, I was alone. I wasn't even in a, in a church building, and I sincerely felt that God was laughing uh, at, you know, how seriously I was taking this particular thing. And uh, so people are going to have all kinds of reactions and all kinds of experiences, but ultimately you've got to look at the long run and uh, the fruit of the spirit in the person's life, okay? Um, so what we're probably going to do over the next few weeks is to take a look at some of these gifts and what some of these gifts look like uh, when they're happening. Uh, because, again, if there's ever a time we need to be seeking everything that God wants to give, from a gift of teaching and service to the gift of discernment of spirits. Like, what is that? How do you know when that happens? Uh, if ever there was a time that we need that, uh, I think we could argue that that time is now when we have this sort of coagulation of all these things happening at once, including a pandemic and political upheaval and social justice outcry and, uh, you know, climate change and all of this stuff and... Um, uh, um, what do you call genocides that are happening in various places in the world? It's absolutely, it's like it's, it's, everything is squeezing in. Well, this is the time where God wants to move uh, in people's lives and God wants to use people in all kinds of things, in all kinds of ways. Uh, boy, you, you're, you've tracked with me, but you're so, so quiet. Uh, so I'm just going to give you another another minute or two and uh, make any comments, any questions, any prayer requests. Here, I'll put this one on. Uh, Patrick says, yeah, I had that happen to me as they held my head, called, called it the shake, rattle, and roll. I just got confused, a little dizzy, but being slain in the spirit is a real thing. Yeah, the shake, rattle, and roll. I mean, again, we got to distinguish between some of this is just people people doing things and some of it is authentic and uh you know when it's authentic when you see genuine change uh in people's lives my goodness i've seen some things uh in church services all over the place uh that that make would make you just very nervous you know and then i've seen other things uh that that are very authentic very real yeah we miss you too joelle but we'll see we'll see what's happening you know there's an old there's an old saying you you don't it's not in the bible but this too shall pass all right and uh, we will be together in the same place in the same 
uh, room at some point in the near future, all right? But for now, we look at the cameras and screens and, uh, and all of that. So I'm going to let you all go for tonight. Again, I would encourage you to hit the share button. Uh, Wednesday night, we'll continue our... Uh, uh, what is it? Clash of Kingdoms. And we'll finish that up. And then the following Wednesday, we'll start a new one. So basically, we're running Sunday mornings, Monday nights, and Wednesday nights. All right. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one who is uh, watching and listening. And and I pray, Lord, I, I pray together with, with the five or six people, you would fill each person with your Spirit and the power of the Spirit in all sorts of ways would be real in each person's life. In multiple ways, God, you can use each person as we submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. And uh, may he keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you, everyone. Have a great night and a great week ahead. God bless you, Valerie. And uh, you all keep those questions coming. You can reach out to me uh, by email, text, phone. All my contact info is on our Facebook page or website at citypointchurch.ca. God bless you. Everyone, you're welcome, Pat, and uh, everyone have a good night.